cannabis topics in less than 10 minutes. Let's go. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields, and with me, as always, is Kellen Finney. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Scott Campbell, president of Adium. Scott, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Let's stay early on. Your team, Food and Bev, very established industry, utilizes these sensors. The ag tech industry also utilizes sensors. The cannabis industry, what is our current state from a sensor standpoint? How, how common are these? And give some background on your team's role and, and how they differ between the industries, specifically here in cannabis. Yeah, I mean, cannabis, cannabis is just totally fascinating and unique. You know, if we look at the plant, the, it's like I've heard it called like, like trying to grow apples with no skin on them. It's a very delicate plant. It's very, you know, in some ways it's super resilient. In some ways it's kind of temperamental. And the, the thing that makes it super unique is that it's valuable enough that it can that you can spend money on increasing yields and collecting data, and you can uh, get that that increase is going to hit your bottom line more immediately, and you know in a highly competitive industry, more making more of an impact than it would say with soybeans or you know or something like even uh, more specialty crops like apples, for example. So so that makes cannabis um, that makes cannabis a great target for uh, sensor data and sensor data collection. But to your uh, question, Brian, only about 10% of indoor cannabis cultivation uh, facilities have a what we call a crop cycle monitoring system, which is you're gathering all the data. And so we're here, we're talking about substrate data. So the hydroponic substrate that the plants are growing, typically cocoa or rock wool, um, you have a substrate sensor in those plants uh, testing for pore water EC, uh, water content and temperature. You have climate sensors testing for relative humidity, uh, temperature, VO2 concentration, and uh, light intensity. And then you're writing all that data back to the cultivar record. And in the cultivar record, you're also measuring how much yield you're getting. And so a lot of people, you know, we never go to any facilities that don't have data flowing. But a lot of this data is trapped in the control system where it can't ever be used for analytics or the data is trapped in the the seed to sale system which doesn't have any cultivation data in it and that's just as good as it being thrown away and so facilities that really actually have some system for uh, deploying these sensors having all the data written to the cultivar record you know the penetration rate still only around 10 percent which is high compared to other industries but it still leaves a lot of people who um, are missing out on the the efficiencies and improvements you can get from crop cycle monitoring uh, systems. And so, I'm not sure. Did I answer your question? What do you think is the biggest hindrance for these operators today for, let's say, adopting uh, a technology like yourself that makes a big difference? Yeah, you know, I think that's a, that's a tough one because I think it, it just relates to the resistance that we've had in general agriculture, getting people to use data to improve their operations. And there's a couple of uh, data points here, Brian. The first being, like, can you name uh, like a software-only ag tech company that has been successful? And I can't do it. You know, I, I see some that have been commercially successful at raising funds. You know, like the Semioses of the world, and I see some 
old school companies like John Deere that have ag tech operations that are that are getting big. But the the thing is, agriculture in general is just hugely skeptical of new stuff. And we've seen this in industry after industry after industry. So if I compare cannabis to that and 10% penetration rate over the last four years, I think we're doing okay. There's still huge opportunities to to grow, but I'm optimistic because the people are using it and getting value out of it today. The biggest impediment, and this is, we can talk about competitors that, that we might have in the industry. Our biggest competitor is just non-consumption. And, you know, a good analogy might be not everybody tracks their calories. Okay. I'm kind of into health and fitness stuff. I love cycling and uh, like road biking. And um, most people don't count their calories. At the end of the day, the amount, you know, what what you weigh as a person is just the laws of thermodynamics. You take a certain amount in, you burn a certain amount, and that's that's what it is. And there are lots of people who are fit, fit and healthy and don't, you know, don't count anything. And there's lots of growers out there that are succeeding um, without doing any um, cycle you know, crop cycle intelligence, crop cycle monitoring stuff. And you don't have to have these things to grow plants. The thing is that that if you don't have a plan for getting better, the other people in the industry who do are going to outcompete you. I mean, I, I don't want to take this in two different ways. Is it hard for the businesses to implement these sensors, to spend the 90K and the 1500 a month, and then not to make any changes for an entire growing cycle? Because essentially, it's just an investment into technology where the results will be in the distance future versus in this industry, I feel like a lot of people are looking for immediate results, right? I spent 90K, Scott, like I'm not going to get any results for for one turn. Like how, how do you overcome that? Is it an ROI conversation? How do you overcome those type of obstacles? I mean, you're right though. I mean, Brian, some customers just say, just say, well, I mean, that's fine, but we just we just want to get started right away. I mean, and that that's fine with us. It's much nicer to get a baseline and also to take a really measured approach to to improvement because we're looking for continuous improvement. We're looking for marginal gains that will aggregate over time. And that's that, that's the great thing. When you talk about a master grower, the great thing about about crop cycle improvement software is that if you implement a change there and it has a positive effect, you get that change forever because it's it's written in the code. It's written in the recipe that, that's in the system. And so there are, people are impatient. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you're right. But try to walk them through like, let's make measured changes and build on our successes rather than, than try and go after a sugar high that isn't sustainable because those changes aggregate or those improvements aggregate over time. And a 5% improvement may not sound like much, but if you go back and look at corn yields, for example, corn yields out of, you know, the U.S. government has this data going back in the 1800s. Corn yields are eight to 10 times higher than they were right before the start of World War II. Okay. The same is going to be true of cannabis, but the improvement in yield is probably going to ramp up a lot higher, a lot faster because we have, you know, we have, uh, 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 you know, these, uh, software and technology like you've been talking about. We've talked about technology. And sometimes when people hear technology, they automatically assume this isn't for me, Scott. This is for the big MSOs. This is for the $50 million facility. How small of a grow would benefit from technology like you've described today? Well, I, I think in many ways, it's a lot easier for a small grow to implement the technology because the cost is tiny. You know, we're talking about, let's say you got you got a couple rooms and you know, let's say you got eight tables in these rooms and I don't know, you're running like 20 lights or something. I mean, the whole system costs is like 4,000 bucks. And then I don't know, it's maybe 50 bucks a month or, or something like that. And, 
initially, Brian, that, that's that was like our core customer when we launched. The big guys wouldn't give us the time of day. They they were like, well, we don't know anybody else who uses this system. And and so the, the small guys were the ones were actually a core customer to start out in that first year. Um, and then we kind of built our, our way up from there. So yeah, we don't sell our system to unlicensed uh, uh, growers right now. We have decided to focus on uh, white market producers. So, you know, part of the process is, hey, what, what's your what's your license number? But, you know, any grower with a license um, could benefit from this. And and from our, and just my experience is that we start out with the small growers. What about expanding to post-cultivation, specifically in extraction? Any interest in taking sensors into the extraction space? I mean, a, a little bit. Uh, I mean, and Kellen, I think you have a pretty deep expertise in that area. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So Scott, for, for those who want to get in touch, they want to learn more and they want to look to implement sensors into their cultivation, where can they find you? Yeah, uh, just at Arroya, A-R-O-Y-A dot I-O is our, is our website. Tons of information on there, tons of, of great resources, uh, virtual seminars. Every week we do something called office hours where our crop consultants actually take questions from people. So you can just uh, log in, post a question, and our, our crop consultants will go over it. And those Office Hours episodes, if you just look for Office Hours Arroyo on YouTube, you'll see all the old ones up there. We just have a ton of information. And there's even some great information on the website about our like social impact and things that we're doing. Uh, we did a project called Freedom Grams that, uh, that, and with Last Prisoner Project that, that won an award last year. We uh, did a collaboration with Cookies and Cookies University and training up new people on the science behind cannabis cultivation. That's on the website as well. So um, so just encourage anybody who's interested to go over and take a look at that stuff. Awesome. Yeah, we'll link it up in the show notes. Thanks for taking the time. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, likewise. Guys, if you've enjoyed this podcast over the last few years, can you please take three minutes or less and leave us a quick review on Apple or Spotify? All reviews make a massive difference for us and help other people like you find this podcast. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.